0: chapter twenty eight of interrupted by pansy this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter twenty eight a family secret you are not to suppose that during this press of work the moving spirit in it did not have her homesick hours when it seemed to her that she must fly to her mother and that at once that she did not have her anxious hours when to provide as she would like for that dear mother and that beautiful young sister seemed a dreary impossibility, that she did not have her discouraged hours when new carpet and frescoing and stained-glass windows seemed only vanity of vanities, and the sharp-toned cabinet organ seemed to wheeze loud enough to drive all other improvements out of mind. But there was always this comfort— She was much too busy to brood long or often over thoughts like these. And another thing, weary and disheartened as some rainy evening might find her, there was forever an undertone of thanksgiving about Bud and Harry Matthews not only, but about others as well, not excepting several of the girls, who, though Christians before she knew them, had stepped upon higher planes of thought and action been revitalized indeed in their Christian life, and would never go back to the follies of the past. Then came the trouble in the Anstead home, and the weeks of waiting and watching, and the final defeat which was still a triumph. During the solemnities of those hours, things which had seemed like trials sank into trivialities, and life grew to her more earnest and solemn than ever before. In all these ways the summer waned and now changes of various kinds were pending harry matthews was about closing his engagement with the telegraph company to enter upon a secretaryship under his uncle a position involving grave responsibilities and conscientious stewardship what joy it was to remember that the new young man was equal to the trust bud was to be regularly entered as a pupil at the academy and his face was radiant the Ansteads were to stay at South Plains all winter, and the girls were happy over the prospect of uniting with the little church at its coming communion. Mrs. Ansted had subscribed a hundred dollar addition to the minister's salary, and told the people that they ought to feel disgraced for not each giving doubly the original amount, that her son Louis, she felt sure, would have taken the matter up had he lived and she could not rest until she saw it accomplished. Meantime, there was more or less gossip in the town, of course, about affairs with which the people, if they had really stopped to think, had nothing to do. Among other things, there was wonderment as to why Harold Chesney came to South Plains so often. What business was there in this direction which could require so much attention? To be sure, he was one of the directors of the railroad, but this branch of it had not heretofore been considered so important as to need constant looking after by its chief. Also, there were some who thought it very strange that that Miss Benedict should receive so many attentions from him, and she was as good as Louis Anstead's widow. Of course that was so, for Mrs. Anstead herself had as good as said so dozens of times, and see how intimate she was with the entire family. Yes, they knew that Harold Chesney was a very particular friend of Lewis Anstead, but they should think that would hardly account for such a degree of intimacy when Lewis had only been buried a few weeks. Meantime, the central figures of this anxious talk went their busy ways, and seemed in no sense troubled by the tongues. Harold Chesney came often, and always visited the Ansteads and the Academy, and the intimacy between all parties seemed to increase instead of diminish. It was about this time that Clare received an unusually lengthy letter from Dora, a letter over which she laughed much, and also shed some tears. Dora had some family perplexities to ask advice about, and indulged rather more than was her wont over forebodings in regard to the coming winter then suddenly she launched into the main channel of her letter after this fashion oh claire my dear you are good if i could be half like you or even one-third it would be such a relief to mamma as well as to myself but claire this next that i am going to say is mean and small and will serve to show you that i have a correct estimate of myself i cannot help thinking that it would be much easier for me to be good if i were away off in south plains or north mountains or anywhere else than here right around the corner from the old home do you have any conception of what a difference it makes to be around the corner from things instead of being on the same street with them i think it possible that i might throw myself intensely into plans for that north mountain church you know if i were there and forget this one and these people and the old ways Claire, part of the time I am pretty good. I am indeed, but really and truly it is hard. The girls try to be good too, some of them. Occasionally I think if they did not try so hard, I could get along better. You see, they stop talking about things when I appear, for fear I will be hurt, and I am hurt, but it is because they think I will be foolish enough to care for what they have been saying. Do you understand that? It reads as though there were no sense in it, but I know what I mean. It is clothes half the time. Clothes are dreadful. I find I had no conception of their cost. Not that I am having any new ones. Don't be frightened, dear. I am not so lost to a sense of what has befallen us as such a proceeding would indicate. Why, even a pair of gloves is often beyond my means. Neither am I complaining. It is not the gloves. I am quite willing to go without them if mamma could have the things which we used to consider necessities for her i would be willing to go bare-handed for the rest of my days well what am i talking about let me see if i can put it into words the girls you know are always arranging for this and that entertainment i meet them oftener now that you have insisted on my going back to the music class to some of these entertainments i am invited and to more of them I am not. I never go, on account of clothes and some other things. Imagine a party of girls gathered in the music-room or the hall, in full tide of talk about what they will wear, and how they will arrange their hair, and their ribbons, and all that sort of thing, and imagine a sudden silence settling over them, because I have appeared in sight, "'as though I were a grim fairy before whom it was their misfortune "'to have to be forever silent about everything that was pretty or cost money. "'Now I am going to make a confession, and I know it is just as silly as can be, "'but sometimes I cannot help rushing home and running up to my room "'and locking my door and crying as though my heart would break. "'I am thoughtful, though, about choosing times and occasions for these outbreaks.' I generally select an afternoon when Mamma is out executing some of your numerous commissions, but even then I have to bathe my eyes for half an hour so that the poor, dear, sweet, patient woman will know nothing about it. I never do let her know, Claire. She thinks that I am good and happy, and occasionally she tells me that I am growing self-controlled like you, and then I feel like a hypocrite. But all the same, for her own good I don't enlighten her. "'Claire, dear, don't you suppose it is the silly parties to which I do not go which trouble me? I have not the slightest desire to go, and I don't think of them often. I don't, really. Well, that about having no desire needs qualifying. I mean I would not have if I could go. I mean I should like to be perfectly able to go if I chose, and then to choose to remain at home. Do you understand?' if the girls would only be free and social and talk with me as though nothing had happened i should learn not to care but it is so hard to always feel that people are saying hush there she comes poor thing don't talk about it now or we shall hurt her feelings i would rather have them drop me entirely i believe as estelle mitchell has done she doesn't bow to me any more even when we meet face to face doesn't see me you know but she does even that politely i don't know how she manages claire do you remember the time papa signed that ten thousand dollar note for her father well never mind i am writing a silly and a wicked letter i haven't written so to you before have i i'll tell you what has stirred me so lately everybody is in a flutter about the house claire it is sold you know what house i mean the dear old one on the avenue every separate stone of which speaks of papa that mr chesney bought it who spends half of his time abroad there is a rumor that he is to be married some time nobody seems to know just when and bring his bride there to live it is well for me that i shall not have a chance to move in her circle for i feel almost certain that i should have to hate her a little it is very absurd of course But the girls are actually beginning already to talk about the possible reception though they don't even know who the prospective bride is some have located her in chicago and some in europe i cannot discover that there is an absolute certainty about there being any bride and yet some of the young ladies are planning what would be pretty and unique to wear estelle mitchell is sure of being invited because her brother dick used to be quite intimately acquainted with one of the chesney family and dora benedict is sure of not being invited because she is not intimately acquainted with anybody any more i wonder who will have our rooms our dear old rooms yes that largest blot is a tear i couldn't help it and i haven't time to copy and could not afford to waste the paper if i had i don't cry very often "'but I was foolish enough to walk by the blessed old home this morning "'and look up at the open window in Papa's study. "'Oh, Clare, darling, I wish you could come home, "'if it is only for a little while, and we could go away from here. "'Don't you think Mamma might be made comfortable in South Plains for the winter?' "'Oh, that is foolish, I know, "'and you are a dear, brave, self-sacrificing sister,' to give up your vacation and work away all summer to help support us to-morrow i shall not care anything about this only to be dreadfully ashamed that i sent you this wicked letter i am going down now to make tea and a bit of cream-toast for mother and i shall be as bright as a gold eagle and hover around her like a moth-miller in the gaslight and tell her all sorts of pleasant nothings, and never a word of the house, or the sale, or the possible new mistress for the old home. I am learning, dear, though from this letter you might not think it. But I live such a pent-up, every-day life, that I have to say things to you once in a while, else what would become of me?' Claire laughed a great deal over this letter, pitiful as the undertone in it must have been to a sympathetic heart. The tears came once or twice, but, after all, the predominant feeling seemed to be amusement. It was not answered promptly. In fact, she waited three days. Then came Mr. Chesney for one of his brief visits, and she read the letter aloud to him. What Dora would have thought, could she have seen that proceeding, passes my imagination. What would she have thought of human sympathy— Could she have heard the bursts of laughter over parts of it albeit mr chesney did once or twice brush away a tear what would she have thought could she have heard the conversation which followed now my dear claire i hope you are convinced of your hard-heartedness poor dora ought not to have this strain kept on her during the autumn especially when it is so utterly unnecessary The house will be in complete order in a few weeks time and dora's reception is just the thing i can write to phillips and put every arrangement into his hands and we can appoint dora manager-in-chief claire i have a plan worth a dozen of yours let us have the mother and dora here for a visit they want to see the little church which they have helped to build nothing could be pleasanter then all your girls and all your boys could be present at the ceremony. Think what it would be for Bud. He would never forget it. Neither would the struggling minister. It would afford an excuse for doing for him just what we want to do. The law does not regulate the amount of marriage fees, you know. Mr. Chesney was an eloquent pleader, and Dora's letter, it must be confessed, pled against the delay that Clare had thought was wise. Of course she demurred. Of course, she hinted at the plans that she had formed for getting ready, but the party on the opposite side had an answer for every argument. He was sure that the way to do would be to get ready afterward, when she could have leisure and his invaluable presence and advice, instead of being hampered with music scholars, and he miles away, alone, waiting, and Dora waiting and suffering, and the mother thinking her sad thoughts happy surprises were all very well they were delightful he was entirely in sympathy with her desire to tell mamma and dora the story of the new home in person only he believed with all his heart that it would be cruel and therefore wrong to burden that young heart with the question of ways and means a moment longer than was necessary as for mrs foster she could supply claire's place quietly and thereby make some poor music teacher's heart unexpectedly glad. Of course, Claire was overruled. She had really not one sensible reason to offer why she should remain exiled from Mama and Dora any longer. There was a little feeling of pride, it is true, about the getting ready afterward. But as she looked it over carefully and prayerfully, it seemed, even to herself, a mean pride unworthy of the woman who was to be harold chesney's wife then there was a fascination in the thought of dora planning for that reception really being the one to invite whom she would among the girls instead of being the one left out in the cold also it was pleasant to think what an event it would be to her girls and to bud and her cheeks glowed over the thought of the marriage fee that would find its way into the lean pocket-book of the overburdened minister. I would like to tell you the whole story in detail, what Dora said when the letter came imploring her mother and herself to come to South Plains for a few weeks' visit, how the mother demurred on the ground of expense, and yet confessed that it made her heart beat wildly to think of getting her arms around Claire again, "'but I cannot think what has become of the dear child's good sense,' she would add with a sigh. "'Why, Dora, dear, she did not come home, you know, because the trip would cost too much, "'and here she is planning for two of us to take it.' "'Never mind, Mama,' would Dora reply, "'for Dora was desperately determined on this trip to South Plains. "'Claire has planned a way, and we shall save our food if we stay two weeks, "'and that will be something.' and she has sent us the tickets, so the money is spent. Oh, Mama, let us go anyway! And of course they went. Yes, I would delight to tell you all about it, what a sensation there was in South Plains, and how full the little church was, and how well Bud looked walking down the aisle as one of the ushers, and how people said the Ansteads certainly would not come, they would feel it a family insult, but how the Ansteads not only came, but took almost entire charge of everything. Above all, I would like to have you look in with me at the parsonage, in the study, where the minister and his wife stopped to break the seal of that special envelope after it was all over, how he rubbed his eyes, and looked, and looked again, and turned pale, and said huskily, "'There is some mistake here, Mary. He has given me the wrong paper.' and how she came and looked over his shoulder and said why it has your full name how can there be a mistake and then she read pay to reverend henry ramsey or order one thousand dollars who ever heard of such a marriage fee as that oh now i have there have been just such marriage fees as that really and truly there had been such before harold chesney and claire benedict were married and there will be such again there are poor ministers and grand rich men and there will be i presume while the world stands more things than some people dream of are going on in this world of ours there is one thing which it gives me great pleasure to record there was a reception given in the old home it was after mamma and dora had been established for several days in their old rooms and it was the evening after the arrival of the bride and groom and Estelle Mitchell was invited to the reception, not because her brother Dick had been intimate with one of the Chesneys, but because, my brother Harold gave me the liberty to invite whoever I pleased among my classmates, and it would give me pleasure to see you there. Dora spoke truth. It really gave her great pleasure to see Estelle Mitchell at the wedding reception of the Chesneys, and to realize that she was her guest oh you wicked wicked dora some of them said when the excitement caused by the reception cards was at its height there you heard us talking about the new furniture and wondering as to who was the bride and you never gave us so much as a hint dora laughed and kept her own counsel she did not choose to tell them that during those trying days no hint of it had come to her that was their pretty family secret with which outsiders were not to intermeddle. They agreed, every one of them, that Dora made a charming young hostess, and Estelle Mitchell said she was glad she was back in her old home, for she just fitted. There are but two things which remain to tell you. One grew out of Ruth Jennings's farewell address to her beloved music teacher, spoken while she was half laughing, half crying, and wholly heartbroken but the organ does squeak horribly, you know it does, and it is always getting out of tune. Mr. Chesney heard it, and during their wedding trip he said to his wife, There is one thing I want you to help me select. I have not made my thank-offering yet to that blessed little church where I found you. It must have an organ that will keep in tune, and that will worthily commemorate the harmony that was begun there.' Imagine, please, for I shall not attempt to tell you, the delight, to say nothing of the unspeakable wonder of the girls and of the entire community, when the beautifully finished, exquisitely toned bit of mechanism was set up in the church. Accompanying it were two organ stools, one for the church and one for Ruth Jennings's home, so she sits on dictionaries and patent office reports no more." the other item can be told more briefly it is embodied in a sentence which the gentle mother spoke one morning at the breakfast table by the way claire the committee about the mission band entertainment was here yesterday while you and harold were out to see if you would help them i told them i thought you would the face of the bride flushed deeply and a peculiarly tender light shone in her eyes as she said how very strange that is it is the same band which was preparing for that exercise about which i told you we were to have had it on the day in which papa was buried it is the same exercise dora said speaking gently the girls dropped it entirely and could never persuade themselves to take hold of it again until last week they voted to attempt it you were only interrupted in your work you see Mr Chesney said smiling down on eyes that were filling with tears interrupted that you might set some wheels in motion that had been clogged now you are called back to finish the other and i am here to help you end of chapter 28 recording by trisha g end of interrupted by pansy